Quick disclaimer, although what we say is evidence and literature-based, we don't know your personal details and situation. Therefore, make sure you're discussing these things with your doctor. Welcome to the CPR for Life podcast. I am Sagar Doshi, boarded and practicing lifestyle medicine physician and emergency medicine physician. Joined by... Zach Hermosis, boarded and practicing emergency physician and practicing lifestyle medicine physician. Sagar, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> we have some things to talk about. We do. There's other stuff going on in the realm of COVID. And I feel like I get to update you a little bit because as we were just talking, you haven't worked in a little bit and I've been working quite a bit and uh, yeah. things have changed a little bit. I took it's... a little staycation. Ah, that's nice. I went to New York City in the midst of Omicron. Um, <laughs> did not get it. Did not get it. Anyway, speaking of, let's talk about Omicron. Yeah. What's the scoop? So new variant. Uh, we've obviously have some information about this, and I'm sure everybody's heard about it, about this rapidly infectious variant of COVID. Worse from an infectious standpoint than Delta, questionably more mild disease. Those are things that are still being researched. Vaccine efficacy against it has been questioned. How much protection do we have against symptomatic disease? How much protection do we have against severe disease? So we're going to address some of those things here. A lot of this is going to change. So if you're listening to this the day it's released, it'll probably be up to date. If you listen to it a month after it's released, things may have changed since then. And that's okay. That's kind of the nature of this pandemic. That's why we've had a lot of varying recommendations from different organizations and people go, why can't they get anything right? Keep in mind, this is very rapidly changing. So having worked, I'll go through my personal experience. Well, first, let's talk about Omicron, I guess. Why is it different? What what happened to the virus that changed everything here or changed some things, I should say. The spike protein has a bunch of mutations is the short story. It's a more stable version of the spike protein uh, wait, when you look at it. Wait, what's a spike protein? Spike protein is the part that actually infects our cells. Uh, so it's the part that makes the COVID virus so infectious and deadly is that that spike protein has changed the way over time to be a very good uh, ACE receptor binder. Our ACE receptors are basically the little receptors we have on our cells. Uh, it's prominent in certain parts of our body. Our respiratory tract is one place where it's pretty well represented. And that's part of the reason why that COVID can affect our respiratory system so much. The Delta, the Delta variant had more affinity toward that ACE receptor. The Omicron variant has even more affinity toward that ACE receptor. The difference is... Yeah, just to interrupt you again, mm -hmm. affinity just doesn't mean it likes it more. It means it likes it more and it binds better. Correct. Tighter. Yes. So in this case, uh, the Omicron variant, for whatever reason, tends to like our upper respiratory tract better than our lower respiratory tract. Uh, there was an actually pretty funny article that I read the other day. And, and that's funny to me because basically we've kind of established that the hospitalization rate among Omicron is significantly lower than Delta. The numbers are still pretty high just because Omicron is so contagious. So, you know, you, you take a smaller percentage of a, a higher proportion of people or higher group of people, of course, you're going to have still a decent number of hospitalizations or enough of people becoming severely ill. But the rate for whatever it's worth seems to be lower. But the article headline was Omicron variant less severe because it attacks the lungs less. And I was like, really? That's a. Uh, very profound. It wasn't a very well thought out <laughs> headline, in my opinion, because it was kind of obvious. Uh, it's less severe because it's less severe. And just to fill in that 
that possible gap there, the lower respiratory tract, that's your lungs. Right. Upper, if you've had a cold and you went to the doctor and your sheet when you left said upper respiratory infection. That's a cold. That, you know what part that is. Yeah. Yeah. Everything above the lungs. Right. Uh, most of the time when we say even upper respiratory infection, we don't get too excited as doctors, which is a good thing. You don't want us to be excited. I always tell my patients in the ER, if I'm excited or intrigued, that's a bad thing. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to be bored with your diagnosis. You want, yeah, right. You want me to be, you want to be very run of the mill. Run of the mill in the emergency department is a good thing. So what literature do we have for the Omicron variant? So if you don't know, the Omicron variant was first reported in South Africa. South Africa has a little bit of a younger population than us, uh, a little bit less vaccinated. So it's not quite the same population as the United States, but for whatever it's worth, it was rapidly going through South Africa. It was much more aggressively spreading, but hospitalizations didn't increase very much. So that was the the good news. What they looked at initially was there, there was a specific province where they looked at vaccine efficacy among uh, people with what they presume was Omicron. So they compared September to the end of October and then mid-November to early-ish December. So they looked at like a two-month period and then compared it to a six-week period. I'm sorry, a a three-week period later on. The later on period was the Omicron presumed period because that's after Omicron had been discovered. What they found was that initially uh, among people who were unvaccinated, 40% of them represented positive tests before Omicron and only 33.7% of positive tests after Omicron. And the reason for the drop is that there were more vaccinated people becoming infected. So if they looked at greater than 14 days after your second dose, and specifically in this case, I believe it was the Pfizer vaccine, they uh, reported that 28.6% of people after 14 days of vaccination were becoming infected pre-Omicron. Post-Omicron, that climbed to 41%. So close to a 13% absolute risk uh, change or, or addition to people who would test positive for presumably Omicron. Previous to that, we can presume it was Delta, which if you remember correctly, also escaped some vaccination status against people who had had uh, the Pfizer vaccine. The booster showed to be pretty effective against reducing Delta, especially hospitalizations, certainly symptomatic and absolutely uh, hospitalization. So it prevented severe illness very well against people, especially about the six month out period. Admissions at a hospital, so greater than 14 days after your second dose, pre-Omicron, 8.3%, post-Omicron, 28.2%. So we know Omicron still evades the vaccine uh, to some degree, and that was the big concern is, okay, does this thing evade the vaccine? And the answer is yes, it absolutely does, Uh, especially for people who have received two doses of the vaccine. There was another study, uh, this is specifically in Denmark, that looked at both vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna ones, so the mRNA vaccines, and compared protection against what was, again, presumably Omicron before and after a third dose. So people had recently received their second dose. They didn't exactly define what recent was here, uh, but it was 55.2% protection for Pfizer, 36.7% for Moderna compared to unvaccinated people, which is, I mean, although that sounds really low because we're used to hearing these 90% numbers, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's not awful. Uh, the problem also is over. And the is next... that for any case? Yes, that's sim- specifically symptomatic. So these are not severe. Okay, so severe runny nose counts. Correct. Yep, runny nose or right, a little bit of fatigue that all counts. The protection waned over five months. So they're noticing is that 
the protection wanes a little bit faster than Delta, which makes sense because the spike protein is different and that's what the Moderna and, and uh, Pfizer vaccines specifically protect against. Among people who get their third dose of the vaccine, so they looked at the people who were, got their, their booster dose and looked at them 14 to 44 days after getting that. So after they were considered fully vaccinated after their 14 days and again, recently exposed to Omicron, that 55.2 was 54.6% effective. So while your, st- your vaccination status had waned, it's basically restored with another dose of the booster. And I know, 50, again, 54% doesn't sound great, but you're getting you're half as likely to get symptomatic from Omicron. This doesn't talk about hospitalizations, just symptomatic. But the point is the boosters do work to restore efficacy. We don't know how long that vaccination status lasts yet. As long as you're talking about Denmark, I have to come in with an article headline that I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it annoyed me greatly because it said the headline was something like, even in fully vaccinated Denmark, still danger with Omicron coming. You think you're safe, but you're not. And I said in my head, I was like, is this, this is going to be just hype, isn't it? I looked and I read the article and said, yep, it's just hype because they were talking about how the cases had exploded but that hospitalizations had not budged. But how Denmark was preparing for a possible increase in hospitalizations. And they said, yeah, okay, good, prepare. But you haven't said anything in this article scary enough to warrant your headline at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, it's totally true. There's, there is a lot of excitement going on because it's how people keep up there. And this is my getting off the topic of what we talk about a little bit, but there's some, <laughs> some truth to, yeah, I mean, headlines, headlines matter, right? So people are going to click on the things that are scary. But or or diminish, you know, commonly held beliefs. And while this vaccine is not designed for Omicron, it still works against severe disease, which is what most of us care about. I mean, I know if I told you you were vaccinated and you were going to turn from I'm going to feel terrible for two weeks and might get hospitalized to I'm going to have a cold for four days, I would get that vaccine. Success, right? And especially when you consider something like Omicron, which I heard anecdotally in a, in a some, I think it was an infectious disease or ER doctor at some hospital that they were interviewing recently say that this is the most infectious disease that we've seen in our generation or ever or something like that. But the point is, it's a really, really infectious variant. This thing is, it's impressive how quickly it comes on. If you look at the graphs and the spikes of COVID cases in America or COVID cases around the world or places who have been affected by Omicron, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty crazy to see how quickly they spike. So, I hope you're going to tell us about how this and what this means for vaccinated people and for severity of illness and for unvaccinated people. Yeah, I mean, the thesis remains, get your vaccine. Even if you are worried about Omicron not being covered all that well, which is a fair assessment because, you know, by all all rights, the data seem to suggest that there is lack of coverage. It's mostly antibody coverage that doesn't respond as well. And everybody always gets hung up on the, these antibody response, antibody response, how many antibodies do I have, which is fair because that's probably what's going to protect you most against symptomatic disease. But according to a study that was just reported on yesterday, and that would be January 4th, for those who are paying attention to the date of this, the <laughs> cellular immunity among all the vaccines for any of the variants is pretty good. So if you get vaccinated against the original variant of, of COVID, which is the original vaccines were out there, but no changes in the structural components of the ver- uh, the vaccines at this point, your cellular immunity against Omicron is still good. And cellular immunity, what that means is your T-cell response. So your CD4, your CD8. So those are the ones that 
initially when you get your vaccine, you spend some time while your body recognizes that protein and you create a bunch of antibodies to it. And those antibodies kind of swim around in your blood. And if something that kind of looks like whatever they saw before shows up, those antibodies bind it up, make sure it can't do anything. So that's probably what's protecting against your immediate infection. Later on though, when those antibodies wane, people assume that your immunity is gone and that's not totally accurate. So when you get exposed to something that's similar to that, but your antibody counts are lower and say that that particle, in this case, the Omicron variant, escapes that cellular immunity, you may become symptomatic because you might start getting some of that response of that, that virus now kind of binding your cells and you get a little release of everything that, it, that your body doesn't want to release all your inflammatory and immune responses. But your cellular immunity, so your CD4 and CD8 cells, which take a little bit longer to respond than antibodies do, but they start picking up on this because they remember in your body better than your, your antibodies do. So those are the ones that recall long-term things that you've been exposed to. And they're going to see that and be like, hey, wait a second, I remember this. And they're going to start pumping out antibodies on their own. So then your body's innate immunity is going to kick back into gear and you're going to be able to bind things up. So among people who have been exposed to Omicron, the CD4 and CD8 T cell response is still pretty solid. So there was a London study that looked at how, do, how well does the vaccine not just prevent illness, but prevent hospitalization. And what they found, one dose of the vaccine, any vaccine, 52% effective at preventing hospitalization, two dose, 72% effective. After 25 weeks, though, that goes back to 52%. So you're back down to the one uh, the first one vaccine regimen. But if you get your booster dose, you're now at 88% effective at preventing hospitalization after two weeks, which is pretty good. That's fantastic. Right. And with Omicron being less severe from a, you look at the South African hospitalization data being lower, like we talked about, plus your 88% reduction. And South Africa also had... A lot of people affected by the initial yes, and subsequent variants of COVID. So even if they were had lower vaccine rates, they still had a lot of people that had encountered COVID. Right. So, but if you're looking at the data, the data hopefully would suggest that Omicron in, leads to increased, or I'm sorry, leads to decreased hospitalization rates, uh, just more people being infected. But then if you add in a 90% roughly effectivity of a boosted patient, not having to be hospitalized, your likelihood of being hospitalized from Omicron would be pretty low if you're fully vaccinated, which leads us back to... And boosted. Right. The boosted thing is is important. I think that... I don't know if we've done a very excellent job from a public health perspective really expressing how important the booster shots are. I don't know if you have different thoughts on that, Sagar, but my take on it is I, I kind of figure... The message to me was a little bit clearer with the initial vaccine series. I think there was a lot of push and a lot of, this is really important, this is really important. And the booster shots, I don't know if I hear that quite as much. And I wish I did because they're pretty important. As we can see vaccination uh, status, when you're two versus three, there is a significant difference, even among Delta and the original COVID variants, especially among the Omicron variant. So I really wish there would be an expression to people how important it is to go get your booster once once you're ready for it. And still what comes into play is also baseline health characteristics, overall risk. Of course. On comorbidities. But, you know, I already, myself, I got the regular vaccine. I got boosted. Uh, I know I could tolerate the vaccine because I already had two doses of it. <laughs> and right. So it's all benefit to me. 
at this point. Yeah, and and most people tolerated the first two dose regimen very well. You know, the 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 yeah, side effect and the everybody. and the complication rate was remarkably low. From an anecdotal perspective, having been working over the past couple of weeks, I'm seeing a ton of COVID right now. It's the the percentage of patients that we test who are now positive is higher than it's ever been. It makes Delta look like a rare disease. But I will say that we have been admitting less, at least I personally, I shouldn't say we, I have been personally admitting less patients with COVID since what seems like this Omicron surge has arrived. I still have admitted some people. That's not to say we should get complacent or ignore the risk. There is still a risk and it's higher than the cold. It's still higher than the flu, but it is not seemingly as severe, but it's much more contagious. It's much, much more contagious. And the people who are coming in still look kind of miserable. They don't look, I mean, their vital signs are okay. They don't look like they're going to die. They look just like they have a bad infection. They're, you know, bad headaches and body aches and, you know, cough. And they just kind of look like, yeah, I don't want that either. That's why I got my vaccine. Um, That's why I wear my mask. And that's why I think that people should still be wearing their masks when we've got massive rates of transmission going on in a certain community. Right. Because even though for most people, it may be mild. The fact that it's still spreading rapidly means it's spreading amongst more people rapidly. And we still have the same number of hospitals and the same number of hospital beds and actually fewer doctors and nurses at this point because they've gotten sick too. And so there's still very easily the chance of overrunning hospitals. At this point, and I don't oh, know. That's already happened. Bed I mean, statuses. I've been on staycation. No, it's yeah. It's, we already started at a point of everything being overrun. It's a little rough. Um, there are no beds in the hospitals. I mean, that's not a secret. Still, there's no. Yep. I mean, you look at Cleveland, uh, which I've been following that data because I have my family's up in Cleveland, and then down in here in Columbus, there are no beds. I mean, the the waits at hospitals are. I mean, again, if you've been to the emergency department lately for something that was deemed not major or you weren't deemed critically ill when you were checking in through a triage, you've probably waited for a long time. And that's because we don't have beds available. There are no places to see patients. And we've been trying to be creative. We've been trying to see patients in the most, um, you know, while still maintaining privacy, but get them back to places where usually they're not seeing patients just to see if we can get them seen and taken care of and treated. I mean, you know, nobody wants to see patients waiting six, seven hours, but that's what's happening in places right now. Yeah, or way, way longer. And that's affecting everybody. Whether you come in with respiratory symptoms or a car accident or a heart attack, that there's still no place for that person to go because these beds are still full and these beds are full, a lot of them, from COVID still. So what is the severity of this Omicron variant on the unvaccinated? It's less. So there's less lower rates of hospitalization when you compare it to unvaccinated patients with Delta, um, they're still getting hospitalized. And part of that is because even if you got a 10 times less likely to make you hospitalized, so a 10, 10, one tenth of severe illness, but it's infecting 10 times as many people, the same number of people are being hospitalized. So we're still looking at the same, you know, the numbers of, hospital, of hospitalizations are lower now than when the Delta wave hit, I think probably because of the boosters a bit. Um, and probably because of the less increased severity. But nonetheless, we're still seeing patients getting admitted. It's not like... And and those patients who are getting admitted are almost all unvaccinated. And 
I shouldn't say almost all, a lot of them are unvaccinated. And then patients who are going to the ICU are dying. It's almost all the patients are unvaccinated. And I, I mean, almost all, I don't remember the last time I've had a vaccinated patient who was going to the ICU. I don't know if I've seen that yet, actually. What you mean is all. Yeah. So, so me personally. <laughs> so anecdotally, what you mean is all yeah, for, for you. For me personally, I, I don't think I've seen a single vaccinated patient go to the, a fully vaccinated patient go to the ICU or even somebody who's got a two dose regimen go to the ICU. I've only yeah. been. I haven't worked in Omicron, but. Yeah. I've admitted a handful of patients who are vaccinated, but were due for their booster, but haven't gotten it who've gotten admitted, but they were not severely, severely ill. I mean, they were enough to be hospitalized, but they weren't needing to go to the ICU. And as far as Omicron, since Omicron's coming, I, the numbers of admission, again, for me personally, have been significantly lower. But the number of cases that I've seen of COVID are significantly higher. Gotcha. So the summary of all this is, if you have the sniffles, there's a darn good chance that you have Omicron. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you have something way worse than the sniffles, there's a darn good chance you have Omicron. And yeah, is that where we left this? If you're not fully vaccinated, get there. And if you haven't been boosted, get there too. Yeah, if it's time for you to get boosted, then just go get it done. And I, I got boosted with the Moderna vaccine. My initial vaccine series was with Moderna. Sagar, I know you initially got Pfizer. Did you get boosted with uh, Moderna or Pfizer? Pfizer. Pfizer, okay. And have you had COVID yet? No, no, I have not. Nor, Somehow. Nor have I. Yeah, not that I know of at least. Mm-hmm. I've been walking around with a N95 mask and a visor for entire shifts. So that <laughs> probably has something to do with it. But we're still seeing patients all the time with a highly infectious disease. And so far, cross our fingers, we haven't gotten it. Uh, and yeah. I have to think that my vaccine status has something to do with that. I mean, again, I can't prove that, but I got to assume that. Yeah, that plus other safety measures. Combination seems to be so right, far of 100% effective in the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> End of two. Anything else you need to add for this? Anything that I missed or anything that you've read or experienced or talked to any of your colleagues about that you're hearing that I haven't? I mean, just from a more pathology standpoint, it seems to be there was a report out of Glasgow that was trying to explore why it may be that there is less severity with this, and it seems to bind differently in the upper airway versus the lower airway. And apparently, if you're a COVID virus, if you're a coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2 virus, and uh, you can go one of two directions. You can bind in the way that Omicron seems to be mostly binding, which ends up with upper respiratory stuff, or you can bind in a way that the Delta variants and other variants were binding that was targeting more of the lungs. So there's an actual mechanistic reason on why this is looking different. Um, but again, I really just like repeatedly pointing out that the vaccine still helps and is still the best move. Yes. And I think we have to bear in mind that there are probably more variants coming. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we they're already here. We don't. <laughs> yes. And we don't know what those are going to look like if for whatever reason, something does have the severity of Delta with the infectivity of Omicron, we're, we're going to be in trouble. some big trouble. Yeah. Oh, was there a silver lining there or a message or <laughs> was that just where you're going to leave us hanging? I mean, I, I think it's, 
No, I mean, I think that's a little bit unfair because I think the likelihood of it happening is low, but it's not impossible. Uh, and I have no reason to say that the likelihood is low other than hope. <laughs> <laughs> other than you're crossing your fingers and you're like, it is un- it, it must be unlikely. Must be. <laughs> yeah, because if it's not, that's like, that's an apocalyptic event. Because I don't want to live in that world. Therefore. <laughs> no. <laughs> what does that mean for what should we be doing, though? Like, What does this mean for how we should encounter other people, how we should encounter public spaces. I mean, I I think that, and I've said this from the beginning, I I think that the public policy of wearing masks makes sense still. I think that there are certainly times, like there was a time when we had everything under control where people weren't wanting to wear masks. And I'm not going to argue with that. You don't want, I don't like wearing masks in public, except for New York. I will say it was great because it was cold outside and wearing a mask outside was not <laughs> the worst thing in the world. But wearing, I, I understand it's, it's mostly unpleasant. It's, I don't think it's as unpleasant as some people make it out to be. But if you're in a place like Ohio right now where we're just getting beat up badly and like most places in America are going to be soon once this thing starts breaking into individual communities because it's going to happen then it would make sense to me if your transmissibility and your case count is that high, it would stand to reason that wearing a mask would make sense. I don't know why there would be any resistance to that. You know, if you're down to, you know, there are hardly any cases, hospitalization isn't an issue, then I fine. You know, that if you don't want to wear a mask, I think that's fine. But if your public health department is saying, hey, listen, this is a big risk. This is what we advise. They're doing that for a reason. And I would just wear a mask. So still socially distanced. I know a lot of people had Christmas plans canceled. My, you know, our family had Christmas plans adjusted because of COVID. And you just have to be nimble with that and be aware that if you're planning any big event, <laughs> even if you're months out, there, there may be a change of plans. And you have to be okay with that. Some people will kind of roll the dice anyway. If you're, fully, if you're all fully vaccinated and there's an understanding of risk there, I guess, you know, there's, you accept that risk. But I think the answer is be fully vaccinated practice appropriate social distancing, try to keep your gatherings small, at least for now, we will get there. I I really genuinely believe we will get to the point where we can go back to some degree of normalcy. I think there will always be this stuff in the back of our minds for the next couple of years. But I think as far as gatherings and masking and, you know, treating everybody like they've got a really infectious disease that they could give to you, it will probably be something (laughs) that we look back on hopefully soon. But now it's not quite it. Yeah. And I don't know why this, the way you said that just made me think of if people, if I knew, if I was hanging out with you and I knew you had herpes, which you cannot get through the air, but I knew you had it, I would just be staying away from you. I would just be sitting on the other side of the room. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, Zach, as far as I know, does not have any illnesses or contagious. (laughs) But I'm just saying, we know that there's, you would have a, a healthy degree of respect for space with a lot of other illnesses that doesn't even make sense to have that with this one it makes sense to have it with and again in a time where you know that it's highly contagious and it's prevalent in the community i think it's probably for the best to exercise caution you know back in october or i don't know when was the last time that we weren't talking about omicron or delta being a problem whenever it was i don't know when the vaccines first rolled out, I guess for the first couple of months after the vaccines came out, before Delta, there was a little bit of a, a level of complacency and a level of, hey, we've got this under control. It doesn't really seem to be like that big of a deal right now, which was cool. I liked that time period. I missed that time period. 
Um, <laughs> and I think that you saw a lot less mask wearing in public. Uh, and that's fine. It didn't bother me. Now I think when I go out and I see people not wearing masks, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, you know, you know what's going on right now. Not necessarily, but maybe they will now. They should. I mean, they should. Yeah. They know what's and then going on. If Every, you're fully, people know what's going on. I feel like with the data that we've reviewed today, if I was to, if I was in a, a group of people that were fully boosted and I was going to go interact with a bunch of other people that were fully boosted and I, that would be, be fine. The risk would be low enough to everybody involved there that you could just yes. hang out as normal. It's just the problem is when you start involving other people that are unvaccinated or may not have mounted an immune response for whatever health reason that they have already. Yeah, I think that, you know, and there's going to be an argument that, okay, I'm wearing a mask for people who should be vaccinated. Omicron should really represent a cold. And we never wore masks before. Mm -hmm. And I think there's probably some validity in that because people who are vaccinated by all rights should do very, very well with the Omicron variant, even if they get it. Should be. I mean, of course, there are one-offs. But it's also much more contagious than your typical cold. And mm -hmm. if I'm walking around in the store and somebody, you know, sneezes in my general direction, even before COVID, I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> you know, uh, cover your mouth. Don't, don't be that guy. Don't lick your hands and touch stuff at the supermarket. <laughs> You know, and, and Omicron seems to be contagious enough where basically every breath you take, if you have, well, look, this is the second podcast in a row, we're bringing up like a sting reference here. Yeah. But every, every breath you take <laughs> uh, <laughs> could potentially be spreading Omicron if you have it. Now, if you're... Speaking of which, is there mm -hmm. data that you have showing how likely it is for someone to spread it if they are vaccinated versus not so i looked for that and i couldn't find it i looked at the cdc website and they said that they were still lacking data on that uh okay the current mentality is that omicron is spread much earlier in the course of illness than previous so mm -hmm. that's why the cdc reckon recently changed their recommendation to five days off work from when you started with your symptoms if you're getting better if you have omicron yeah as long as you then wear masks for five days. Five days and you have to be vaccinated. Right. So that's the current recommendation from the CDC. I think that that's because Omicron was shown to be a little more contagious in the first couple of days as opposed to the other ones where we didn't really know. No. Uh, I haven't reviewed that data personally, so I can't tell you whether or not I agree with it, I guess. But I've been telling my patients to just continue to, if you're going to do that, just make sure you're wearing a mask. Absolutely wear a mask in public. You can't. This does not mean that you're not contagious at all after five days. No. And that's that's part of their guidelines is to wear that mask right. after the five days or at least five days. I think people just got excited that, you know, five days, I'm done. I'm like, no, no, not quite yet. Yeah. You still have to wear a mask. <laughs> not completely done. So I remember seeing at some point a Danish study talking about the secondary infections in a household amongst the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. And it was lower in the vaccinated households between people. So that's some extra good information as well. I could see that. Although I will say again, anecdotally, when people come in now for COVID testing and it's a whole household. Oh yeah. 
if one's they're all they're all positive yeah <laughs> they've and again usually they're not boosted uh, a lot of these people don't have their boosters yet either they're not qualified for them or they're young and otherwise healthy or they haven't gotten around to it i can't tell you how many people i've seen these people who go to get their booster and they find out they have covid after they set of the appointment and it's like a week out and i'm like oh, i'm sorry <laughs> your booster came early and in a different way yeah right right although you're still going to need it within a month or so because the vaccination uh it wanes a little bit over time i don't know if that's the case what we haven't had a chance to look at is how well omicron infection protects against itself or another infection later on down the road so maybe it's better than the booster because the booster was designed for the original covid variant i don't know yeah who knows i've heard rumors that omicron may help you against delta but delta won't help you against omicron but again no data I mean, yeah, I guess that would make sense. But yeah, who knows for sure. But I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. We'll see. We've included in this talk things we have information for, give you new numbers for that, and things that we just think. So <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that a lot of the things that are obvious opinions here are pretty clearly opinions. There are certain things that we just say, you know, this is my experience or this is my opinion, but the data will back up. And I hope it's pretty obvious. If you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to us. And if we need to yeah. clarify any of that, I'm happy to. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a good place to end it. I agree. And uh, a little bit less dismal than just a little bit ago in our podcast. Yeah. I think it's actually, I don't want to say hopeful, but it could have gone the other direction. This could have been a more severe variant. And so far, hopefully doesn't seem to be yes i agree so until next time uh get your vaccine get your booster listen to our old podcast about the vaccine they're the same vaccines as they were before <laughs> uh and <laughs> they haven't changed um reach out to us if you have questions and remember the way you live can save your life <laughs>